like a boxer getting ready for a fight. Good lord. She just fucking start the episode already. <laughs> Welcome everyone. He just episode. never understands that his, his voice actually mutes out during that part. The speaker just shuts off. 104 of the Light Shed Podcast, Brandon Ross, Walter Pysik, Richard Greenfield. R- Rich, why'd you just take your mask off? It's a little, you know, I'm sitting here alone. I'm only wearing a mask because why were you wearing? Wear... A, why were you wearing a mask? I mean, who wouldn't want to wear a CNN Plus mask? I mean, oh, you were, you were showing off the CNN Plus. That was that the big giveaway from CNN Plus? Yeah, I mean, I've got a water bottle. I've got, wait, I got, I have pens. Uh, I might even have a pop socket around here somewhere, I think. Oh, yeah, I got a pop socket. I think it's definitely on brand for CNN Plus to be giving out masks. (laughs) Here comes Walt. Uh, I like that. I like how we continue to play the music in the background. Did you guys like this week's musical selection? I did. I did. Um, it was very mellow. Wow. It was, was funky. Um, Brendan, you seem sort of, you know, stunned today. Like you just, you seem slow. Are you COVID? I, no, I didn't have COVID. I was not feeling well all week, though. Um, as you we're know, we're going to rev it up a little bit because you're definitely like in slow mo for this podcast. Like you're definitely not bringing the energy you had last week. Oh. The energy that I had literally had to like start you to get even. I had some. I had some fever this week, Rich. Uh, I I have. I have. I have some cobwebs. I know Walt was asking for a lot of intellectual advice. I would call it consultancy this week, Um, and I think I was like very on point for Walt. Correct. Despite the fact that I had lots of cobwebs in my brain. Well, actually, the opposite. I think when you're fevered. You seem to be thinking more clearly now that you're. Do you think it's? Do you think? Do you you think the ADD is boxed so that all the all the synapses aren't firing at at the same rate, so I could concentrate on one thing? It's definitely possible. (laughs) All right, what do we got on the first slide, Rich Richard S? The first slide, of course, is you know, I guess it's. It's sort of the Walt. <laughs> it's it's the Walt Pisic victory. Netflix. Lap. No, it's the, Walt Pi- it's the Twitter. Walt Pisic victory lap. I mean, well, how is this? All, we sat here last week. Walt, Walt Pisic victory laps. What are you talking about? We have a lot of. This is really a. This is the a world is Walt the Pisic. world according to Walt. 
He may be grouchy. He may drop F-bombs. No, he's grouchy. He's definitely not the nicest person, but <laughs> he's wow. not the nicest person. Wow. But I mean, that's the, the role you play. We each have the role we play. We each have a role and you're sort of the What's your role, Rich. Yeah. What's yours? Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I think almost like oh. a parent parent to two children. Are you the, are you the parent? I'm the parent. What's I'm my, the adult. I'm the adult. What's my role? I, you know, <laughs> rambunctious, rambunctious um, child. All right, let's get on to Twitter. All right, okay. let's do it. Uh, so uh, this is Twitter uh, board member and Salesforce CEO, Brett Taylor, saying Twitter board has reached an agreement with Elon Musk. Jack Dorsey tweets out. Wait a minute, that's a board song. member actually tweeting? Yes. Wow. That's a rare occurrence. <laughs> um, Radiohead song from Jack, which is sort of Brandon's. This is like Brandon's dream. A CEO or sorry, former CEO, founder of Twitter, tweeting out a Radiohead song to express his excitement and satisfaction with Twitter going private and no longer being a public company. Um, well, there's so I guess- much I love about this, right? First of all, the song is Everything in Its Right Place, which, as you know, is one of my favorite um, Radiohead songs. And Radiohead is one of my favorite bands. Also, the only Radiohead song ever covered by Fish. So, (laughs) I mean, can't love it any more than that. As Walt's, who's calling you, Walt, during the dedicated podcast time? I can't turn it off. It's, It's really fucking annoying. You know, my editing skills are not good enough to remove audio. So I'm just not that skilled. No, you don't have to remove that audio. It's just what we need to do is take our ringers off on everything before we start the podcast. You're you're so official and like so formal. Like it it can (laughs) just be less formal and just fun and just roll. So last week you guys both predicted that um, we did. They would not get to a deal. So now you have your opportunity um, to say, will it? move to conclusion because there's a lot of people that seem to believe that it won't reach conclusion meaning the twitter elon musk's acquisition of twitter so where are you on this is it gonna is it gonna be is it gonna close rich Uh, brandon you want to start go no i just i want to say one thing which is first of all i'm not against the idea of elon taking this private at all. I think that if you look back at the history of Twitter, it's probably the platform that the least has been done with the most. I think part of that emanates from the fact that Jack never really wanted um, it to be a a real business as he kind of made allusion to this week. The first time we ever met Jack Rich, do you remember that time at uh, where was that? Way, uh, Wayfair, Wayfair Tavern, at Wayfair room. Tavern, fried he's chicken. Like, and what did he say? He's like, you know what? I just put Twitter into the world to be a thing and people could do with it what they want. And now this is kind of coming. He did. When we started asking him about monetization and stuff, this is way before the IPO. He, he was completely dismissive of it. So now this is full circle in Jack probably getting exactly what he wanted as Twitter becomes, you know, probably, you know, more of an open protocol than anything else. Hence the Jack, everything in its right place. Just, well, to, look, just to bring that full circle. I think there's been an ongoing tension inside of Twitter 
of is this a platform that is I don't want to use the word. I think the word that was used at the time was good for the world. Um, you know, you never know whether these platforms are technically good for the world, but a connecting the world platform. An important, versus, how about an important utility? Versus a business. And I think there was this ongoing tension. The question though, and this sort of goes to Walt's well, question hold on, to us. The question, yeah, the question is, because you guys just diverted into just- No, 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 I'm getting there. I'm getting, I'm getting there. Is it going to close or not? Because last but, week- you We said will, we, no, 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 we, 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 we will get there. I am sorry for diverting. I just wanted to- Answer the question. To, to bring that up. <laughs> That's okay, so all. Here's, so here's the problem I'm having. If it's not a business, if this is literally just becoming a utility for the world, decentralized, chaotic mess of- Please yelling noise is there a business there like how do you find like this thing's got a shitload of debt on it how are you funding the debt everyone else on twitter like freaking out about elon and like crying to the fcc to block the deal like oh my god elon's gonna own this thing there's a there's difference we've already seen advertisers revolt on facebook we've seen advertisers revolt on youtube unless they change behavior meaningfully like advertisers are not like look maybe there's a subscription business here I don't think there's an advertising business that's robust if you're going to not have moderation or far less moderation. You will not have advertising, at least nowhere near the dollars that are there today. So that's the challenge of closing. Like, can he actually do what he wants? How does that impact his ability to close? That You're talking about what it does. does he, he, let me finish my sentence. You're talking about what he will do after he owns it. What does that have to do with whether he can close it or not? I mean, he has the financing if he wants yeah. to close it. What does it have to do with close it? it. The and question the, is, then the question will is, the does, deal close? Answer does, the fucking question. Does he want to close it or not? Jesus. And the answer seems to be yes. I will say this, though. It would be the ultimate and greatest ever best punk of all time if he was like, you know what? Like in a couple months from now, I don't think I want to own Twitter anymore. <laughs> Just pays his billion dollar and leaves it in shambles. You know what gives me confidence that this, this will close since you guys refuse to answer the question? And I will. It will close. I, I believe it will ultimately close. Okay, thank yes. you for finally I, I, answering. I believe it will close as well. Oh, really? Jack you, didn't, wants, you didn't say because, that yesterday. You didn't because say that Jack yesterday. wants it. Because Jack but wants what does it, it have to do with whether Jack wants it to close? Yeah, it, it, it will close if Elon wants it to Correct. close. Correct. That's it. I mean, the guy's so fucking unpredictable. So who knows? Like, honestly, who knows? But I think it seems think pretty clear that Jack and Elon are working together. Like it seems pretty clear that Jack's been very much oh my God. driving, you like I'm, full on in I'm the conspiracy you. theory in every aspect of this. You just like every part of this. Oliver Greenfield from the from from the start. You've been. Why are you like? You're getting me seasick the way you're moving around. Like, is there what's going on with your camera? It's like your whole body is like kind of moving around. Like I was getting seasick. By the way, is is it that crazy of a conspiracy theory? That Jack said to Elon, why don't you do this? I mean, when you pile one conspiracy after another in terms of like the process. Anyway, what I was going to say is the reason I have great confidence in this closing is because once again, Scott Galloway has gone out on a limb and said like, no, it's not going to close because he thinks, again, his own conspiracy theory. This is this grand plan that Elon has concocted to sell his, his, uh, his stock in Tesla. And that he's going to be able to sell all his stock in Tesla. I may be conflating conspiracy theories that are out there, but yes, once again, Scott Galloway thinks this is not going to close. And by we'll the see. way, it's an embarrassment that there are there are 
um, agencies out there. I'm not going to name them. I can, I, I'm sure I've tweeted about it. So you can look on Twitter that have lawyers and then have their advocates. Oh, government agencies, antitrust advocates that have solicited the FCC to block the transaction. If you're a lawyer in DC and you work for one of these agencies, like how do we take anything that you say seriously? If you don't even understand that the FCC has no authority in this situation to, to, to have a say in this transaction, it's embarrassing. And those that amplify it by retweeting it, you are also embarrassing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's move on to PISIC. Over, overall, though, uh, it, how do you guys feel about the future of Twitter from here? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? I have no idea. I mean, look, as someone who's been readily abused frequently on this platform <laughs> and who has certainly seen it get better in terms of the ability to take people down and remove them from the platform, uh, I'm certainly nervous. On the other hand, he literally says he's going to clean up the bot issue. I don't know how you do it, but he's committed. Yeah, and I will that. tell you the number of bots and that attack me. I mean, I get attacked by bots every day. So getting rid of the bots would be huge if it's possible. I don't know how you do it, but I would love to see it happen. Is not, a, this is a private company. It's not a public service. Like he bought it. He's capable of buying it. He's allowed to buy it. So like, unless he's violating laws, like what's the deal here? No, I have no problem with him owning it at all. I just, I, I personally am optimistic that there's going to be some innovations on Twitter that should have come over the last, you know, over a decade and never really made it. That's all. I'm interested to see kind of where we go from here. That's all. Yeah, I mean, this whole issue of of innovation has sort of been the one big thing stopping Twitter for so long. I mean, that people have criticized about. And we would sit in a room with, I mean, going way back with Adam Bain and Dick and whoever and rattle off like 20 fucking things that they should do. That seemed like low hanging fruit and easy to improve the platform. And um, I don't know. Well, no one else is, seemed to think that there were things to do. I, I mean, I calling an audible just I added this slide. This is the Benedict Evans shared this. This is sort of the Snapchat. This is their product iteration over the last decade. And I just thought, like, when you look at the number of like big things that Snapchat has done and, you know, he teased, like, could you imagine comparing contrasting Snapchat to Twitter? just in terms of like looking at this chart and what the Twitter chart would look like. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but let's move on to what is our real next topic, which is there was big news that Charter and Comcast announced that they're going after a 50-50 joint venture to create a national streaming platform, TVOS platform, to compete with the likes of Roku, Apple, Amazon, and connected TVs. Not really Apple, because Apple doesn't really make TVOS. Um, that's sort of a mistake in there. But certainly companies like Samsung and Vizio do. Well, uh, they have their own box that has yeah, uh, that has do. an OS, right? And that has market share and connected TV. So you know, like this much, but yes, for sure. But look, the, the, the more interesting thing is we've been talking about probably for five years, is Charter going to license X1 or Xfinity? And we sort of got our answer. They're not licensing X1 or Xfinity. They're not going to use set-top boxes, but they're going to work together on this IP-based TV OS. They're going to call the, the brand name that's going to be used for now is Flex, the Comcast Flex boxes and what is on the X-Class TVs. But instead of licensing it, 
Charter is actually going to be a 50-50 owner. And that, I guess, is the big surprise is that they're jointly doing this together. They're obviously super late. Like we've been, we've been criticizing yeah. like how, you know, Comcast has sort of let, they've gone from set-top box gatekeeper and let the Rokus and the Samsungs basically dominate the TVOS market uh, and ramp up market share. And all of a sudden in 2022, they're realizing it's time to start a JV. Like it's- you're, you're saying Charter realize it because Comcast has, you know, kind of been the innovator among the traditional MVPDs in terms of user interface, voice, um, set top box. <laughs> and you could laugh at the word set top box, but set top box. Yeah, no, no. I guess what it's, I mean by that, Brandon, it's is- Charter that was really late to the game who were trying to make old boxes backwards compatible didn't really seem to embrace ip as quickly um as others although their apps actually pretty good uh, at this point i i think this is a long overdue um situation and you can't really criticize charter for making the move that they did you except for the them. fact that you, it's you, too late you, you can't not, but, but, or that but even late. but even comcast there's no reason I should need a Comcast set-top box or a Comcast hockey puck. Comcast should have been signing deals with TCL. Instead of Roku doing a deal with TCL, this should have been Comcast doing a deal with TCL years ago. The fact that these companies are well, just Well, they have one with Hisense. They do. <laughs> they do. And look, it's starting. There's Hisense, you know, X-Class TVs at Walmart. I don't think they're selling like hotcakes, but like they're <laughs> certainly starting. And obviously this JV, I assume marketing spend is going to be a big part of it. So like, this is the right idea. I mean, it was funny. John Malone spoke at Dr. John Malone spoke at the Paley Center uh, 18 months ago and um, was talking about like, is Roku the new gatekeeper and sort of seemed critical of Comcast and Charter for not playing that role. And so here we are, you know, 18 months later, and they're finally starting to do it. But, you know, Brandon, TV. Do, do they have any chance to take meaningful market share from Roku? depends on how much they spend, right? If they are aggressive, you know, the way you grab market shares, you walk into TCL and say, we'll pay you X amount per television to install, like, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, give you a shit, meaningful cut. I mean, didn't, you can, didn't Google try and do that? And then- And Google starting, and Google starting and, to move and market share. But it, it took a long time. And it, one of the reasons it didn't happen sooner was because Google's OS sucked. So don't they have to kind of get the OS right? In a, I mean, TCL is not just going to sell a TV because they're getting paid for it because that's the primary user interface for everyone who touches their product. Look, I remember so they Gordy have to Crawford, get this shit right. Also, I remember Gordy Crawford interviewing John Malone. I think it was at a Lionsgate analyst that you might remember like four or five years ago. And we're big Malone, on the stories, both of us. And do. no, and, and Malone was sort of waxing about and you know, sort of reminiscing of how like they should have bought Netflix or they should have created their own Netflix with their cable assets and leveraged their broadband infrastructure. And it's like the problem with the cable industry where the, all of these legacy media companies is they're just slow to innovate. Like this should have happened years ago. Like they saw what Roku was doing. It's not like Roku is like, this isn't like year two of Roku pushing on TVOS. It's just these companies are incredibly slow. It's the right well, they, concept. They got to it when Roku's stock price went stratospheric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's a great well, point. Since I you're mean, the you're the well, real first cable of all, on expert this, on this topic, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to cover Aris, their vendor on the set top boxes that were, was subsequently purchased by Comcast, and I or excuse me, Comscope, 
I used to ask them this question all the time. Like they own the living room before, obviously they're now losing customers every quarter. They could have integrated CBRS spectrum in there. They could have, you know, taken X1 to the next level in terms of uh, enabling more apps other than I think it was just initially Netflix. There's a lot of stuff that they, both of them could have done, but whatever, bygones. And now it's pointless because like everything you talked about has really little to do with why Charter is now at $430. It's the fact that their broadband business is um, under attack from fiber overbuilds and wireless competition. And Rutledge can get on the call and say like, oh, we're not seeing direct competition. I mean, just look at the numbers. Just compare Q1 uh, um, aggregated of the guys that have reported to Q1 of 19. And the decline in net ads from Comcast and Charter and Altice is, you can see, is made up by the residential net ads of Verizon Wireless and T-Mobile Wireless for net ads. So don't tell me (laughs) that it doesn't have an impact. Like the numbers speak for itself. And second on this, before Rich, I know you're ready to chomp at the bit, but let me just the other thing. So this is far more important than is on the, the OS on the fi- for the fiber. He he's like, okay, you know, the CFO gets on. I think it was the CFO that was saying this. Is like, oh, well, you know, fiber. We've seen fiber before these overbuilds, and they go bankrupt. I'm like, okay, the fiber assets that are getting financed right now, and the ones from before, they may go bankrupt, but those fiber assets don't disappear. Service doesn't stop. And if they reemerge from bankruptcy, that's even worse for you <laughs> because all they're doing is dumping the shareholders. They're not evaporating the fiber that's there. So how is that good? I actually think they're tied together. So what I mean by that is the reason Charter and Comcast are doing this nationwide joint venture, I'm think, literally just thinking about this as you talked about it. There's a reason. They're, they're literally linked. Their broadband revenue growth is slowing. Mm-hmm. How do you generate more broadband revenue growth? You create a TV OS platform and you try to squeeze everyone that rides on the platform the way Roku squeezes everyone. You get a cut of Netflix dollars. You get a cut of, you know, Peacock. Yeah, but like, what is, I don't, I, I'm a little confused as you're, to what you're one trying has to drive to do with the other. You're, you're, yeah, but what does that have slowing. to do with, bro- how are you going to drive broadband net ads through no, no, your no, TV no, you're OS? Missing you're the point. other revenue. but, but Other okay. revenue off yeah, of other your revenue. existing. That's it. Uh, incremental fine, revenue on but broadband. How much, how much incremental revenue are you going to drive? A, and B, that's not going to move the stock. What's going to move the uh, stock is fucking subscribers. I, that's I understand it. that, guys. I get that. But this is, I'm telling you, that's the logic behind this. Our broadband business is slowing. What do we do to get incremental revenue squeezed well, they, out of this? Well, they got into the wireless business, right? So that the wireless is, business that was supposed to be break even at two million subs, according to the CFO originally, they're now at four million subs. They're still not break even. They've spent one point five billion dollars. Wait, isn't it break even before marketing? Yeah, before actual expenses. hundred. It's they they've their cumulative EBITDA losses are a, a one point five billion, and they've signed up about four million customers. And by the way, in terms of vertical integration, adding other stuff to a connectivity bundle in order to increase uh, additional revenue. Uh, hello, AT and T. Didn't they just punt that? Yep. Good luck. I get it. I think the market is is keen to that now. (laughs) 430. Um, Speaking of market no longer sort of buying the future, um, this is TV Grim Reaper tweeting out Peacock revenue, 472 million this quarter. Peacock EBITDA losses, negative $456 million. And then he teases, Maybe nobody's ever going to make money in SVOD. Now, the funny part well, is- Well, it's AVOD, not SVOD. 
Well, no, it's both. It's both. <laughs> I guess. It's AVOD and SVOD. The funny part is Netflix actually makes money, Grim Reaper, but and has for a long time. But but leave that aside, EBITDA and free cash flow. But yeah, leave that aside. It. But but leave that aside for a second. Is the larger issue is that's the problem, right? Is that right now Comcast has just said that they're going to lose two and a half billion dollars on Peacock this year, and you sort of just scratch your head and go, Do you believe Peacock can really be a meaningful player? Um, in terms of overall time spent. And I just think it's hard. It's, it's just hard to build these SVOD platforms or SVOD, you know, sort of a, it's AVOD and SVOD to your point, Brandon, but it's just a really hard business model and we're going to need some level of consolidation. I, I just don't think there's any investor who is looking at Peacock and going, Peacock is the reason to own Comcast. Like it's just not, you know, if anything, they're going, oh my God, they're spending two and a half billion dollars and there's no way to see the end of the tunnel. Well, I think the the sentiment on that, obviously, or any bit of positive sentiment that they had on that changes when you see Netflix go from 700 to like 198. Sure. (laughs) So we've just described how Comcast maybe looking for growth charter, clearly looking for growth. Last week, we talked about Verizon and their search for growth, or maybe we didn't talk about that last week, but that also occurred this week. There's no growth. So (laughs) companies that are in their own backyards, Verizon is going to go even more aggressively after home broadband. Charter is going to go even more aggressively, presumably in Comcast after wireless to provide any type of incremental growth. Yep. Sounds fun. Everyone eats each other's lunch. Oh, you, what do you, I wonder what happens with Cox in this scenario. Do you, like, does Cox and Charter ultimately have to do something like do you, do you, just to distract? Like, we always talk about, like, you know, Discovery's been sort of the master. Like, what do you mean scripts. by that? Does somebody buy Cox finally? This is what well, Brandon you know, and I were in Brandon's fevered state pondering. Like, when you're X growth, what do you yes. do? And, and then, then we had M&A a whole conversation about the, this. Typically, the playbook there. And we went through the MA scenarios, Walter and I did. And everything in media is just not going to happen, makes no sense whatsoever. So, do you start to merge cable companies and wireless companies? Yeah, maybe Verizon should be buying Charter if they and can. Which, which was kind of the rumor, you know, five years ago well, or think, whatever I it is. I think when Lowell was looking at how to do fiber before they made their big fiber investment, I think that was one of the things. And then Verizon like shits all over Charter's fiber density and all that stuff, which I think was kind of nonsense. So I don't know. Maybe that's... I mean, the thing is, one of them is really a national business and one of them is a large but local business, regional business. And it's tough to kind of put those together because you're only going to see synergies on part of the business. Yeah. Let's move over to, uh, or stick on the topic of Netflix because we were kind of crapping on SVOD. So Kim Masters, (laughs) one of my favorite uh, industry reporters at Hollywood Reporter, Tweeted out, I went deep on the drama that went down on Netflix. Who can make 140 shows a year, asks one creative. That's insane. That's when the culture of fear took over. And then Benedict Evans um, writes, posit, Netflix's content budget probably has diminishing returns to scale, but it might actually have negative returns. After a certain point, adding even more shows just makes the experience worse. And there was one other thing. First of all, that was a phenomenal article by Kim Masters. I would encourage everyone to read it. The other thing she said in that article, she talked about how 
uh, how much money Netflix spent to try and get Oscars. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to take that a little bit further. Cause Rich on this very podcast, you talked about how this is like, you know, Oh, look how much this company, this company, it was Apple Oscar party. It shows they're serious about video. That was, that was your state. And internally at Netflix, according to Kim and her, and her story, like people were actually pushing back on that and saying that this is crazy. Like you can't just go out and buy an Oscars and should this be the strategy thoughts? I don't know. I sat with a film industry executive yesterday who was talking about Tim Cook literally attending the Oscars and how focused he is on the Oscars. And they obviously won an Oscar, but I do so think Sarandos. And how did that turn? Yeah. Out? Well, you know, again, it's it's easy to point to mistakes when your content isn't working the way it should be. Mm-hmm. If the content was really working, you know, if, if we were talking about we crashed and winning the Oscar at Netflix and some breakout successes. I don't know if we'd be having the same conversation, but I think, which by I the think way, content Tim is all mentioned last night on the earnings result. But I think the issue there, Rich was, and we talked about this on the podcast, you know, about, it was the enormity of con- that content yes. that Sarandos was pushing forward. And like, there's multiple paths to yes. And we talked about this and you guys were arguing that this was a workable strategy where if you had a lot of mediocre content that was going to reduce churn. And this was, I can, Brandon, you're like shaking your head no, but I can go to the tape (laughs) and bring that back up. This is what I'll say, okay? There in every large company, there is a tension between quality control and scale. The bigger a company gets, it is much, much harder to have tight control over quality. I think that one of Netflix's primary advantages is the amount of content spend it has at its disposal, especially globally, because it is taking a lot of shots on goal, which means that there's a higher chance that some things hit. The problem there is figuring out how to keep quality control and ensure that you have um, plenty of, you know, just really high quality projects and you're not just green lighting everything. And that seems like it's more of a management slash corporate structure issue. And it seemed like from reading that article, Netflix made the sort of content management um, position, a winner take all thing. And what they probably should have done is is silo everything and have high quality silos with people who are tastemakers in charge of each of them. Like Richard Plepler, friend of Lightshed. Yeah. I mean, obviously when HBO was spending 2 billion a year versus 18 billion a year, you know, it's, it's a much easier problem and, to solve. And who's but Richard, the, who's, who's Richard working with right now? Apple. Apple. Exactly. But let's, let's see what happens with Apple, Richard's not going to spend eighteen billion. You know, exactly. work on eighteen he doesn't need billion. To, <laughs> they need they need to figure something out. So it's not like you're just greenlighting everything. I agree. And and maybe Benedict is right. There is a sort of a level after which there's diminishing returns that you just can't keep a handle on any more content after that. 
maybe a regionalization is is the way and they kind of figure out how to pick, pick off the best yeah. content in, in every market. region yep. and that's how you get to 18 billion as opposed to green lighting like 15 billion of english english language stuff i don't know i think you're sort of getting to the answer that probably plays out I, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, especially but, given that most of the growth of the company is going to come from overseas. That certainly makes sense, right? Like you don't need this much English. You clearly, I mean, look, subs are pretty stable in the U.S. Yes, they're down a hair, but like they're, that's not the problem. The problem is how do you grow? It is interesting, US? though. There's been, I mean, from our perspective, how many, and whether this matters, how many high quality shows have come out of Netflix given all of the total spend that they've had there. I mean, dude, that that is first of all, that's a ridiculous statement to make because how do you judge high quality? Like this, we had this discussion. Like before. I just, I don't know how the hell you do. Like how many high quality Peacock's I I losing said, two and a half billion dollars. How many high quality shows on Peacock for two and a half billion dollars of spend? Keep <laughs> name them all. Name all the originals that you love on Peacock. Uh, we're rehashing. Oh, I'm waiting. We are rehashing. Okay, this I'm is moving why we on. Yellowstone. That's not an a fucking original. <laughs> I'm moving on. Uh, you'll That's know ridiculous. It when you see it, and I ain't sorry. That was an F bomb to our audience. That was an F bomb. I'm trying to correct the F bombs for yourself only. No, one of our listeners was put off by it, so I'm trying to have better behaviors. So. I will try also. I'm failing. I'm really failing. <laughs> Greg Haji says Facebook is now the same price as it was in 2017, a time when revenues and earnings were a quarter of the size they were today. Um, it's called multiple contraction. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, A plus. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the funny thing is about Facebook or meta, I guess we should say is, you know, Great setup into the quarter. Well, no, but 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 Zuckerberg seemed so fearful of TikTok and so worried. And I still think, look, I think they changed the rich. The difference between last call and this call was the IR was the IR messaging. Correct. Right. The question is, why was that the IR IR messaging? Why was it on the last call? They were like, hey, let's just kitchen sink this. But why? And the problem with kitchen anyway, sinking. But why? Why? Why do you do that? Well, why do companies kitchen sink? It's called resetting. And then you like to beat off the reset and get all the negativity behind you and move from there. I think they went way too far with it, though, to the point where they were having employee morale issues. As, yeah, just- as you read about in various publications and the stock got hit way too much. I mean, the yeah. stock got way too cheap. If you want to talk about multiples, we yeah, look, it's look, still, still very losing. cheap. We've talked about this. The setup into the quarter was as good of a setup as you will ever find. And the stock is just way too inexpensive still. Yeah, the, the, the challenge is, and I think one of the things that investors are still very worried about that we've talked to is they're still losing share to TikTok. Like TikTok is growing. It, TikTok is enormous, like literally enormous. And I think that's the fear is just that, yes, they sound less scared of TikTok. That's certainly the messaging. And they certainly seem more optimistic about Reels. But TikTok is still the better platform and they don't have an answer to that. Okay. Let's see. I think TikTok will run into its own problems. 
I think one thing that we learned kind of in post-mortem mortem to, uh, to, to like what's happened in digital media after what happened in traditional media is no, nothing lasts forever. I, you know what, Brandon? I 100% agree with that. And I'm, I, as you know, I've been a huge advocate of TikTok. Um, and look, it can modify over time and it has already, but I think you're right. I think we may have hit peak TikTok for the moment, Just, unless there's a major pivot in, in the type of. I, I, I didn't platform. put it in the deck. I didn't put it in the deck, but Sensor Tower just released worldwide downloads in Q1 2022. Top app in the world was TikTok, and it has now surpassed three and a half billion all time downloads. So. So that's um, historical information, and what I just said. Was, and it's I downloads. I mean, are, how many downloads historically does yeah. fucking Instagram have? Well, does that's Facebook also like, have? Right. Does WhatsApp yeah. have? Whatever right. they're catching up in terms of downloads. Then they have to take what they have and continue to grow it and pivot as tastes change, which is something that you know to give Zuck some credit, he has been able to do over time. Meaning he and, follows, he's following TikTok's lead. Okay. After he followed Snap's lead and cut them off at the knees. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to survive. Right. But he's not cutting off TikTok, at least yet. Let's, There's no let's, signs. Well, of first that. of all, there are no signs of that yet. But let's see what happens. And let's see if tastes change again. If the traditional kind of like TikTok format resonates in two years from now my Brandon, guess do you ever, is do you ever use TikTok, there will Brandon? be a next Brandon, thing <laughs> Brandon, do you ever use tiktok yeah i watch it i you know i don't enjoy it but i do watch it mostly to keep up with what's going on because it's my fucking job first of all, but i again i i use it rich and i agree I with brandon that i think you know everything kind of runs its course and i don't know i mean i'm not sure how much then innovate yeah was that a and, song we played last week? I don't know, but but they have innovated in China, sure. and they're innovating now by going to kind of longer form, utilizing the live, audience that they live, have. Yep, right. Yeah, more live using the audience that they've built with their hook. Yep, and let's let's see kind of how it goes in a couple of years from now. I'm unwilling to be like, hey, TikTok is the platform of the future and there won't be another one and everyone else is fucked. That <laughs> well, seems like an extremely exactly. naive. <laughs> he did that. Did, now did you're putting words in his mouth. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving I on. I want to be. Okay, so this is a Verge article that Alex Heath wrote. Um, I, I can't even read this. I need I'm just going to read this. This is, this is Spiegel. Our fundamental thesis and our big bet is on the real world and that people really enjoy spending time together in reality and that computing can really enhance and make more fun and contribute to shared experiences. Ultimately, people are going to spend the vast majority of their time in the world because it's a really wonderful place. Basically, he's going after very, very directly the meta Mark Zuckerberg living in virtual world. Kim Sweeney. Absolutely. Like that is a direct attack that people like actually being in the real world and there'll be AR overlays and there'll be things, but he is going after the fact that are utilities. He has a very different view on the metaverse. Like it's a fundamentally different view of the metaverse. Dude, what's our view on the metaverse Ben? right? There are use cases for being in 3d space, right? That 
are going to take hold, especially as innovation occurs. And it is going to take up a certain amount of our time, just like spending time in the kind of 2D virtual world as we as people do, whether it's, I don't know, watching TV or um, using Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. It's going to be another arrow in the quiver for entertainment and communications. I think that to be fully dismissive of it is naive. Um, Evan has bet on AR and he's talking his book. That's all. You know, yes, but I also think that like the innovations. It's nothing. Nothing is everything. No, I think the difference is, Brandon, this is a mass usage, like hundreds of millions of people are using what Evan's creating. There is a very, very small number of people, even the people that buy a quest. I'm going to talk oh, you're all, talking about you know, VR. Well, no one's using it. So Mark's version of the metaverse is actually not being used. Evans, when he talked about Horizon on this last earnings call. I know you got excited. Well, yeah, because I've been like, that's, you know, that's their Roblox, right? Um, he said, you, go into your, you put your, what was the last time you put your headset on? Dude, you know how I feel about VR. So don't, I know, <laughs> I know I'm just antagonizing, but, but I, that's what I don't get. But no he talks about it. Verizon as being not just VR and they are working on AR, plenty of AR things as is Apple, apparently as is Microsoft. I mean, AR yeah. is going to be a utility just like VR it. is a utility. I'm just saying Snap trading at 30 bucks is not pricing in that they're effectively the leader in this category. That's, uh, all. that's It's still a pretty uh, beefy multiple, isn't it? Mm, growth is pretty good. We'll see. Growth is good. What are they growing? Like top line 25%? Probably more. What's it, what's it trading at on a revenue basis? Like 11, 12 times revenue? It's still a big number. Okay. You don't think that's a beefy multiple? We'll see where growth turns out. I mean, the 30% growth is not where it's going to be organically. I mean, ad market's sort of collapsing right now. So give it give it a few quarters. Okay, we'll but see. it's it's not like it's a cheap stock. No, that's true. <laughs> I mean, cheap stock, you can buy Facebook, which has no growth. Fair enough. So fair enough. Sure. But it's not a I cheap mean, stock for its sense. level of growth to be trading at that revenue multiple. I mean, we look at stuff in the private markets at 10 times that's growing, you know, I don't know, 10% month over month. Talking about something that's not growing anymore. CNN Plus uh, was shut down swiftly this week. So Alex Sherman, we will clearly take swift and decisive action. As you saw last week with CNN Plus is WBD CEO David Zaslav on the earnings call this morning. Uh, and then there's another one from Variety. Warner Brothers Discovery will not overspend to drive subscriber growth, says David Zaslav. As you've heard me say, we're not trying to win the direct-to-consumer spending war. So sort of he, one, he shut down CNN Plus swiftly. Um, it, I think it even closed down yesterday, like even a couple of days earlier than it was expected. And the, the most interesting thing I thought on the whole conference call was Zaslav alluded to other projects that are also, or I think it was actually Gunnar, the CFO, talked about other projects that are going to get shut down that didn't make ROI sense. And I and I can't seem to get anyone to answer what those other things could be. I mean, they shut down scripted development at, at Turner, which seems small, but I'm curious, what are these other things that they're about to shut down? 
Um, and part of me wonders, the conspiracy side of me goes, did he sort of, did CNN Plus launch just so David could shut it down and sort of show financial discipline right out of the gate? Or like, was there never really a consideration of, of not launching CNN Plus knowing he was going to shut it down? But then the other piece on the, the Netflix sort of pot shot, I think that's always been the HBO mantra of not trying to, you know, not trying to outspend everybody else. And I think the question is sort of for HBO now, what does HBO Max actually look like? Like, you know, they're not trying to outspend, but now HBO Max is going to get all the discovery content. Like, is that, you know, does does all of that discovery content make HBO Max more tiling? Compelling? What? Tiling? I mean, that's sort of what I'm joking about, right? Like, you know, does that content really move the needle? Like, is that the content that really should be going on to HBO Max? I don't know. It seems like we talk about merging these businesses. I think you need to have like robust services that appeal to more people. So if you don't want it to kind of muddy up the HBO Max or HBO name, then what do you do? You just tile it out, I think. Right. Like you don't, you don't embed all of the content. You make it sort of a separate experience. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I, you know. I mean, like Disney is kind of done. I, I, I don't really know. By the way, I just want to correct myself on the snap multiple. It's actually trading at nine times revenue at this point. So I was wrong and wanted to bring that to people's attention. The major issue, though, for Discovery, and the reason I think, you know, sort of the, the one of the most surprising things they talked about, though, was that it's not just about streaming, that they really said that they see an opportunity in linear TV. And I think that's one of the reasons the stock has traded down is, yes, they lowered numbers. They clearly, the, the Warner business is performing worse than they thought when they gave estimates and things like CNN Plus were not projections. But they also sort of talked about opportunities in linear TV. And it's like, I don't think investors are excited for opportunities in linear TV. And I think that's one of the things that sort of surprised people on the call this week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've heard from other executives in the industry also, oh, Disney is slipping out. So we may have this opportunity in linear TV. To that executive, do not voice that on your next earnings call. <laughs> Correct. Do not I, say because that. Because I, yes, yes. I know you're listening. Okay. Not, because we know who do listens. Do not voice do that. Do not voice that. Yes. It is not something the street is going to buy. Learn from your peers' mistakes. Next. Lionsgate <laughs> to stream exclusively on Roku channel after the stars window. What's interesting about this is, you know, we've been talking about this, I think, almost every month for the last year. Roku is spending more money. They talked yesterday. They're saying now the fifth most engaged choice on Roku is now the Roku channel. So putting more and more content ad supported onto the Roku channel is driving usage. This is just shows more and more signs of, the, you know, in order to, it used to be they just took a piece of content from others and they took advertising. Now they're realizing to really grow the ad business, they got to spend some of their own money to put content on. They obviously, they keep 100% And of they the have dollars. originals. The upfront is next week. I yep. think it's May 3rd. Um, yep. so Roku's we'll hosting an upfront. In person, I think, right? Were they so, worried about, Brendan, I know, I think you got to ask them last night 
um, during the sell site callback. You got to ask them about sort of what they thought of Comcast and Charter. What was your takeaway from the answer? I mean, they're basically they said we've been working on um, TV OS for years and yeah. on these ad tech solutions for years and for getting um, the operating system to perform with dedicated hardware for years. And we're way ahead and that's it. And which is all accurate, it's accurate yeah. statements, right? And JVs generally don't work, but when you said that much of a difference, this is a technical question in terms of working on the OS that will, that will, um, operate within an X one box versus a, t- a television. I guess you don't have control of the components in the television, and you do. That's, that's like the box. Apple question versus Android, right? Like how much of an advantage it was it that Apple built their operating system with the hardware that they. Controlled? I'm just saying, like if if Comcast has learned through doing stuff in a box, is the leap to a television that large? I'm, I'm guessing Roku will say yes. Right. I don't know. It there's there is complexity, right? It's not just about, I mean, not to get into the sausage, but it's not just the delivery of national ads, right? It's also local ads play into some. Well, yeah, there's the there's the ad tech pieces of it. That is not, you know, and again, does Comcast have lots of ad tech? They have free will. I mean, there's definitely lots of pieces that Comcast has and Charter has. So it should be easier for them. You know, you think about a local Salesforce. Right. That's something Roku doesn't have. Correct. Versus, look, you've got a company like Netflix that's trying to do ads that's starting from complete scratch. Comcast no. and Charter are not starting from scratch. Close to scratch? <laughs> no, actually, no. That okay. I mean, Comcast has a they they already have an X one or a Flex ad team. They already have local okay. teams at Charter. I mean, they have a lot more. And again, I don't want to overplay it. It's going to take time, I'm sure. But like, they do have it. Netflix has zero. So clear. you don't view this as like when Verizon was going to become the Viacom of tomorrow. No, this this is more serious. Okay. The, the part where I question is how do you get real market share? Like I don't think if we walked around to a consumer on we walked down Lexington in Manhattan and said, "Hey, have you ever heard of a Roku?" They're going to say yes. Have you ever heard of? Um, a Samsung TV, they're going to say yes. You ever say you've ever heard of an X class TV? And I think people are going to look at you like you have five eyeballs. Like nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Android TV, and I think they might not have heard of Apple TV. They probably have, but they're certainly familiar with Apple Play in their car. Yes, they're not going to know. Like, so you mean CarPlay? CarPlay. But look, if <laughs> they you, spend, Brandon. look, if they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a marketing campaign, sure, can they establish the brand? Sure. Like, I don't think Amazon's done a great job of marketing their own TV brand. Nobody knows that there is this insignia brand of Amazon TVs. Like, it's been very, and even Google TV. What's insignia? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've been waiting for the Google TV ad campaign after they changed from Android to Google, and there's been no Google TV ad campaign. I mean, Google does, they they put the World Series for YouTube TV. Like, they do all this marketing for this niche product, YouTube TV. They have never marketed YouTube, uh, Google television. Even Android television, never been a marketing campaign ever in this country. No idea why. I guess. So I guess the difference between all of those companies is like, what is the culture of competition at a cable operator? That it doesn't exist. Denial that it exists. So you're, so you're going to a market. We just listed a couple of different companies that have been built upon the culture of competition and competing. And what is that at, at, at a cable operator? 
that's why Roku is not, you know, when you listen to them, they don't sound concerned, right? It's because they have a, they've been the upstart brand that's built this despite all of these giants. And they've got all of these complacent companies they're that focused. they've basically taken share. Right. They're focused on focused. one thing and doing one thing great. Comcast and Charter, obviously, to your point, they're focusing on broadband net ads and wireless. This is not their singular focus. Although there's a JV that is singularly focused on this. Yeah. And maybe that helps. Maybe. We'll see. Brandon, you want to read UFC and I guess MMA broadly? Sure. John O'Rand, UFC is weeks away from renewing its media rights deal with BT Sport for Great Britain and Ireland. Quote, what makes this deal interesting to me is the involvement of David Zaslav and the potential implications for UFC's U.S. rights deal. I mean, obviously, the deal in Britain is way, way, way smaller than the U.S. deal. The U.S. deal has gone very, very well um, for Disney. And the question is, that's where since that's where the real dollars are, does someone else come to play and compete with um, with ESPN Disney for those rights? And I think the implication here from Orand is that, you know, Warner Bros. Discovery could be that competition. Uh, I don't know. It takes it does take two to tango. The the U.S. deal is going way higher anyway, no matter what. Well, there's lots of potential bidders, right? I mean, Paramount could be a bidder. I mean, you, we could go through the list, but like if Disney isn't super aggressive, one of these others is going to try to take it to build their platform the way Disney did. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, that, Amazon like, could be there, albeit Amazon just did this other deal. Who cares? You could have more. I mean, I don't know if you want to be a real player. This is remember. This is an add-on product. So you know, who's the best at selling add-ons? Like, you know, if you think about Amazon channels, like Amazon is really good. And, you know, we talk about Sunday. Well, it depends ticket. who you ask. Well, they're really good at selling it. <laughs> you is know it the illusion. That I, no, but even with the selling it, you know the illusion, Rich. I'm keeping it inside here. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it after. Okay, fine, fine. I'm a little lost. but we'll, Someone we'll said that they were better than Amazon at selling. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, why doesn't Walter read this? Because Brandon's running out of hot air. What? Whoa! Whoa! Friend of Light Shed Polygon tweeted. Friend of Light Shed, but not that Polygon. Oh, right. Different one. <laughs> this is owned by The Verge. Oh, definitely not friend. Not the version. No, this then. is Polygon's owned by. Um, is, that, is that Vox? Vox? It's part of the Vox network. I think it's part of the Vox network. Sorry, yes. Yeah, Which is sort not, of a friend. Also of... not a, mm, no. Yeah, come um, on. Diablo Immortal is now coming to PC along with mobile this June. And then Jason Schreier says, after a very long dry spell, Blizzard is finally preparing to release a bunch of new games. This is one of two mobile Warcraft games that have been in development in Blizzard's incubation department for several years. I've heard mostly positive buzz about both. Brandon? Well, let's start with the fact that Activision earnings were an absolute debacle. Um, <laughs> Which is why they sold. I mean... Debacle is yeah. such a great word for earnings. It was a it. debacle. I think Blizzard MAU were down to like $20 million. <laughs> They were $50 million, I don't know, two years ago or something. Um, on the Activision side, Call of Duty has really fallen off a cliff. 
bad um, upfront um, game this year, but even war zones kind of taking it on the chin probably um, as a result, but good to finally see some innovation from Blizzard come to light. And I think the fact that they're taking what was a mobile game and making it cross-platform onto PC is interesting. And that's sort of the because biggest theme that, for the last that's, 12 or 18 months, right? Is no, this cross-play? But, but a lot of going the other way, right? Starting yep. off, this is the point I'm going to make. And go, you're right on. Starting off as a PC game or a console game and then moving to mobile, this is going the other way with it, um, which, which I PC. think is interesting. And you're kind of seeing now everything kind of become one which was something Zynga said they were going to do, right? They which were actually plays into Take-Two buying it. Multiple, multiple, their mobile expertise and cross-platform into PC and console. And we'll, we'll kind of see how that works under uh, Take-Two's purview. So we've got Lucas Shaw, Bloomberg, tweeting out, Goldman Sachs invests $325 million in... Friend of Lightshed iSpot TV, a competitor to Nielsen. Uh, we love what Sean has been building at iSpot. We've looked at it as sort of, we love the data. We've used the data in a lot of our research um, in terms of what people are actually watching. Is that watching. Spotify? iSpot TV. When you stop, stop, stop. iSpot just had great data. They're now being used as the currency by NBC. We think there's going to be other deals where they're used as a currency. And what's crazy is it's just it's, it's the part that's crazy to us is that someone that private equity is trying to take Nielsen private, just as you're seeing this traction out of iSpot, you know, there's video amp, Comscore, there's others, but there is just real traction here. And with Goldman investing that type of a stake, it gives us even more confidence in where this is going in terms of competition for Nielsen. I just, I cannot believe that Nielsen's going to go private, I, that someone's going to lever it up just as the competition accelerates. It just seems crazy. I, I'm, I know I'm missing something. Maybe it's just the cash runoff and that's the simple math, but I am just floored, especially looking at the landscape. Um, I just wanted to shift gears to um, a quick story on, I guess it's it's really a Disney story. I mean, it gets written up as a Netflix story, but it's Variety saying Shit's Creek will leave Netflix for Hulu in the U.S. Brandon, you actually thought Shit's Creek was a Netflix show. We were talking about this pre-show. In, in, indeed, I did. Like you literally thought that Netflix bought the show and that's where it started. Life. Yes, okay. I did. So, so it's actually the pop well, now, only, only you, because it became popular under the banner of Netflix. No, no, and I understand that, um, and that's sort of a testament. Like shows like Yes, I think it was what was it called Yes, right? It was that or wasn't that she, the show on her? Maybe it was her, the Lifetime one. What yeah, was that whatever. one? Her is a movie. I think it was called Yeah. Maybe it was Yes. I can't remember. But the it was in is, that article, by the way. But look, there's a lot of these shows that have become popular on Netflix that never worked on broadcast TV. It sort of goes to why Zaslav, it makes sense killing scripted production for TBS and TNT. Like you can't launch a show on those networks anymore. So, but the question, but the thing here is the show was actually not a Netflix show. It was a pop network show. I know you don't even know what pop is, but that was a small network owned by CBS uh, I think originally it was like a Lionsgate joint venture or something, but that's now dead um, in terms of, you know, the old deal licensing to Netflix. They're obviously now licensing it again, 
But what's surprising is not that Disney's licensing it. Uh, the fact that's interesting is why is it going to Hulu? Like Disney's been working to build the family content. They just announced that Dancing with the Stars is heading to Disney Plus. They put Blackish and Grownish, and here's a pretty family-friendly, funny, watch together as a family show. And instead of putting it onto Disney Plus, they put it onto Hulu. And it just shows, for me, it just shows the absolute confusion of like what is Disney's strategy in what goes where and how they build this. And like he just, you know, Chapik, we're still we're, we're about to get into May. And he still has no new contract. What is the story? Like, what is the story? What's the strategy with Hulu, Disney Plus? Is this ever getting solved? Or do we have to talk about this on our podcast for the next 18 months until the option gets triggered by Comcast? That's what I want to know. Walter, you've never watched Shit's Creek. Is that true? Neither have I. My, wife is, my wife's a big fan of it. I've watched it. I have not. I don't find it that entertaining. It's mildly amusing. I really liked it. I'm shocked that you don't like it more. Yeah. So, guy, I know. I still haven't watched We Crash, so that's on my to-do list. Although Ozark just came back to the final. Did you watch the draft last night? I did not. I was out last night. No draft. Was the draft in New York City? Where was it? No, Vegas. Vegas. It's it's a huge spectacle now. It's not like when it was. Why don't you go? My brother's in Vegas, but he's there quarantining. So why don't you COVID. go next year? Go to the draft <laughs> next year. We should all go to the draft. We should do like a client event at the draft. There wasn't year. enough vitriol. Um, I think there was, when it was in Philly, I think there was a great fun when um friend of Lightshed, Roger Goodell, would get up there and they'd, they'd give him a lot of good booze. There was a lot less booze um, last night for, for Roger, um, Rich. I wonder if he it's missed now, it. It's just a big the Content's been great. Now. Content's been great. Well, but I love whether the, the content's good or bad. <laughs> right. I think, the but he's been less, but he's been less, he's been less. Um, what's the right word? Controversial in the last yeah, year well, than I think he was two or three. He's had less controversial things to deal with, thankfully. Yeah, no, I know. But I think that plays into the booing. <clears throat> I guess. Let's go to our last slide. We've got um, Brandon has made a prediction. I made a prediction running. 10 years ago that Avatar ah. 2 would be the largest write-off ever. I you think did. that given the exp- the expenses that have accumulated from um, in being delayed for 10 time, years, even if it's a huge hit, it might be the biggest write-off ever. Well, what, how does this tweet support that? It says it Avatar doesn't support 2- that. Oh. That's we're, that's where we're, we're, we're just giving going. some historical context. Oh, okay. so Avatar Brandon footage was... astonishes the audience at CinemaCon. So it's um, people seem to like putting the 3D glasses on again. <laughs> it's been a long time since I put I can't even remember the last movie I wore 3D glasses to. I really cannot. Well, I'm, I'm still skeptical. I, look, think, I'm never going to say never. Real D is going to re-IPO at the end of the year? <laughs> no, no, no. But that was tied to it, right? It went public right after that. Uh, what was it? The yeah. HTC Evo? I think the, the 3D cell phones were going to be a oh, thing, too. God, I remember that. Chad Aaron, you remember? Can, you Master can film, Image? You can film in 3D. You can look at it in 3D. You can cue the music anytime you want. Well, the, the best part of this tweet is the other part of it is AMC CEO... Adam Aaron uh, says movie ticket sales won't fully rebound until 2025. And I just, I had a chuckle because like all of a sudden they, these guys have been talking about how, Oh, it's coming back in 22. Don't worry. And obviously we're, Dude, I think we're obviously avatar four is the catalyst. 
You know which tweet that I forgot to send you? I know you like to finish with Adam Aaron um, as our closing tweet, but our, another favorite closing tweet is Marcelo Claret, former CEO of Sprint and big muckety-muck at SoftBank, no longer. He tweeted after the Sixers got crushed by the Nets back on March yeah. 10th. Yeah. Um, by the Nets when you know they were standing up for for uh, what's the name Ben Simmons and oh this is their teammate yada yada probably as clown quote from Marcelo came to Philadelphia with my son Nico to see a preview of what the Brooklyn Nets will do from now on <laughs> destroy its rivals I thought Marcelo was was fans, a Heat fan whoever's wherever he happens to be at the moment that's where he's a fan so. For our podcast listeners that do not follow basketball, the Brooklyn Nets were swept. Ben Simmons did not appear in one game. Uh, and, and now he's he's saying that he doesn't know when he'll be able to return to the Nets because he has a mental block that's making him have physical pain. Um, well, let's hope he gets well health uh, mentally. Um, but I'm not surprised what happened. Sixers did move on. And... Six- they're going to Marcelo's Miami. Yeah, he lives in Miami. Miami. Yep. So I'm sure we'll see a picture of Marcelo as, as a, a as a Heat. He will yeah. become a Heat fan. Obviously. <laughs> that I believe is episode 104. Brandon, what song is this? this Idiot song. Terrible it's not. Song. This is this we is just, one of the I great just, ones. I just don't like Radiohead. I guess that's the bottom line. I just have no. You interest probably in like. Early Radiohead, Rich. You definitely don't like I would the not, more experimental faces of Kid A and an Amnesiac and that kind of error from 20 years ago. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye.